Welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. A new Super Mario Brothers game is out today, so I bet you can guess what our main segment is going to be all about. That's right, we will be reviewing Super Mario Brothers Wonder on this episode, but before that, we have some news and a hands-on preview that I want to talk about. And joining me for today's show is Game Informer's own Wesley LeBlanc. Wes, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm tired, but I've, I've drank a lot of coffee, so we're on the up, and uh, I'm excited to chat about this uh, Mario game that you have played and 100% that I have not even touched yet. Yes, it is uh, You know, one of the most anticipated games of the year, certainly for Nintendo fans, right? Like, it's probably like Tears of the Kingdom 1A, Mario Wonder 1B. Like, that's yeah. how anticipated this, this 2D Mario return is. And, uh, you know, a little spoiler alert, it was worth the wait. But we're going to talk about that more on the uh, the, the mid or the, the main segment in the middle of the show. But we got some news, Wes, and I know you've been covering this beat quite a bit. The biggest news of the last couple of weeks, the $69 billion acquisition of Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard King officially gone through. Uh, Microsoft now owns a ton of Activision franchises, IPs, you know, everything from Call of Duty Overwatch, World of Warcraft, Diablo, you know, Crash Bandicoot, which started as a PlayStation mascot, is now yeah. somehow an Xbox mascot. <laughs> but it's okay because PlayStation has Bungie, who made the Halo game, so they traded and everything's good. Well, they enough. don't anymore, right? Well, they don't like, get they, they don't get Destiny, but PlayStation. Well, no, I thought Bungie was independent now. I thought they. No, no, no. Uh, oh, um, no, they were independent from Activision, yes, right? And then PlayStation yeah. swooped in and bought them. My mistake. I was crossing but some wires. Bungie did, as part of the deal, ask to be independent, basically. So gotcha. PlayStation's just getting that money and helping <laughs> Bungie, but Bungie wants to do their own thing still. It is very weird when you think about, like, this last generation started with Insomniac making a game for Xbox One in Sunset Overdrive. Now they're making the biggest game of this holiday season in Spider-Man 2 exclusively for PlayStation. They're owned by PlayStation now. Like you mentioned, Bungie is now owned by PlayStation, who made the most iconic Xbox franchise of all time. And now Crash Bandicoot, the quintessential PlayStation mascot from the PS1 days, now an Xbox franchise. Very, very weird. But uh, I'm learning now that I better not even freaking joke about them putting... Spider-Man 2 from 2004 (laughs) on Game Pass on Twitter because you get a lot of freaking weirdos coming into your mention saying, well, actually, this is how licensing... I don't care. (laughs) It's a joke, you idiots. Yes, not to mention, like... Xbox and Microsoft spent $69 billion on Activision Blizzard. They have the money to do whatever rights, wherever, (laughs) who has the rights in the front. Like, they have the money to make it happen. That much is clear. I Yeah, I just, I I was at wit's end last night with some of the people sliding into my mentions telling me that I was coping because (laughs) Spider-Man, it's like I'm, I shared them the screenshot of my, or the the picture I took of my PlayStation actually playing Spider-Man 2 right now. And I'm like, this is why I made this joke because I am currently playing Insomniac Spider-Man 2, which by the way, amazing game. Definitely worth playing that one. Uh, one of my favorite games of the year, but this is a Nintendo podcast, Wes. That's why we're going over to the Nintendo side of this thing. Uh, the aforementioned news of 
Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard King, that comes with it a binding contract that Nintendo announced, uh, feels like a year ago at this point, maybe even more. I don't know when that that came out, but they entered like a uh, several year binding deal with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo platforms. And uh, we have a, a new quote from Phil Spencer talking about this now that the acquisition has been finalized. Uh, Here's his quote. For Call of Duty players on PlayStation and in the future on Nintendo, I want you to feel 100% part of the community. I don't want you to feel like there's content you're missing out, there's skins you're missing out, there's timing that you're missing out on. That's not the goal. The goal is 100% parity across all platforms as much as we can for launch and content. I say as much as we can on parity because clearly some platforms have resolution and frame rate differences just based on performance. But there's nothing else. We have no goal of somehow trying to use Call of Duty to get you to buy an Xbox console. So I want the Call of Duty nation to feel supported across all platforms. We've been on the other side of some of those skins and times. Even this beta wasn't on Xbox the first week. I just, I don't think that helps the community. I don't think that helps the game. If you're a Nintendo player, I want you to feel like 100% part of the Call of Duty nation. So... You've done a lot of reportage on this topic, Wes. Uh, how do you see this acquisition actually affecting Nintendo and Nintendo players? So I think, I mean, I as far as the Switch goes, I don't think the Switch is going to be affected or even mentioned at all with any of this because we're not really going to see anything come of this acquisition till next year. Um, it, it's closed, but now they have to go through all the you know transfer of money and... Phil Spencer has to go visit all these studios, see what's going on. Like it's going to be a while before we hear any significant news. And they already said, don't expect any Activision Blizzard games on game pass till next year anyway. So if that's not happening, then you're definitely not getting any Nintendo involvement anytime soon. So what I think is going to happen is the switch will be basically ignored as far as call of duty and, you know, new Activision Blizzard games go. Um, And what Phil Spencer is talking about here is probably the switch successor, which I don't think he would necessarily know what it is, but I mean, Activision and Blizzard might know what that Switch successor is. We don't, I mean, reports I mean, that's came what the out. report says, right? That, yeah, like, exactly. They, that. they got the demo at Gamescom. Yeah, Gamescom. So like now Phil Spencer owns that company. So there's a good chance he has heard about this Switch <laughs> successor and is like, okay, um, if it's as strong as like a PS4 Pro and Xbox One X, like reports indicate, then we can definitely get Call of Duty running on that. And I think that's where Nintendo's involvement is going to be. But like Phil Spencer said, and and nobody's expecting this, the Switch successor is not going to be as strong as a PS5 and Xbox Series X. Like, I'd love to be surprised, but I'm not counting, you know, I'm not, I I don't think that's going to happen. So that's where that parody mention comes in is it's just not going to be the same experience. And we've also seen a strong partnership between Xbox and Nintendo in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, like Cuphead first came outside of the Xbox ecosystem, I believe, arriving on Switch, right? And then Ori and the Blind mm-hmm. Forest, the Ori games are on Switch. Um, Minecraft was uh, they I, they did like that weird. I forget what it was. God, it was years ago, but they had that like image, and it was like Nintendo and the Xbox logo next to each other with mm-hmm. Minecraft, and it was uh, interesting to see. I mean, yeah, and like there's parts of Xbox Live features that were over on Nintendo for a while. Some of the don't some of those games have achievements like some of the, the, yeah. the Xbox games that came over to Switch. That's wild. I would honestly be so shocked, and I've said this before, but I would be so shocked if we don't have Xbox Cloud Gaming on Switch at some point. 
or not Switch, but whatever the next Nintendo console. I thought it was going to be Switch for the longest time. The fact that it hasn't happened yet tells me it's not going to be Switch because all yeah. the all the signs are pointing towards next year, probably near the end, being when we get our next Nintendo console. And uh, I think it would be weird if they were like, hey, it's coming to Switch. Like <laughs> at this point, it'd be like, okay, well, I hope it come. I hope I hope the next system is backward compatible with all your software because yeah, that's what I would want. Um, but yeah, like that would be a huge step in the direction of Microsoft making it so that like they are really the platform agnostic platform holder, which is very weird to think about because like you know they have skin in the game. They want to sell as many Xbox consoles as possible, but they've also been like you know exclusives are not necessarily the thing that interests them as much as just like getting more people gaming right like yeah. i think that phil spencer obviously he's an executive so he has reason to put on that friendly face that that uh you know political uh kind of visage right where he yeah. he's he's gonna play the politician but i do feel that he leans into it more than any other president or head of a platform holder in that a rising tide lifts all boats mm -hmm. and like if if there are more gamers that's not just a win for the games industry as a whole that is a win for the for all the individual companies as well yeah so I think and that's also that, like that's a big thing of it he is like you mentioned yeah he's really good at like feeling like a you know, like one of us, just a gamer who cares about games. But then he's also, you know, Microsoft's head of gaming and Xbox's boss. Like he's the top dog. So he's not one of us. He is a businessman that has to make shareholders happy and stuff. But he does a good job of walking that balance. I do think that throughout all this, and I think Microsoft and Xbox's overall goal is to be the first to tap into what will be the largest market of games one day which is probably our phones and we see that with cloud gaming and it's getting better and better every month like i con consistently am surprised by how well cloud gaming works with like a backbone controller and and stuff and i think if xbox is the first to tap into that you know whoever you want to be the first to tap into that and to do it well and win you know potentially hundreds of millions of people over that want to play games on their phones um, so i think ultimately that's why Xbox is not as uh, exclusive driven as Nintendo and PlayStation because they have their eyes set on something much larger uh, and less console dependent. Yeah, I mean, that that's entirely possible. I mean, the, the phone market is a tricky nut to crack as Nintendo yeah. has found out, right? Like they put out Mario Run, they put out um, Mitomo. I feel like their most successful one has been uh, Mario Kart Tour. Yeah, for sure. I think like so. that's the one that's run the longest. I mean, obviously, Super Mario Run was a huge success when it came out. And then like people played it and they were like, oh, that was fine. Mm -hmm. And then like I think that, that was it. <laughs> throughout all those Nintendo releases, like it still felt like, well, these are mobile games. These aren't, you know, the real thing. And I think Microsoft is really trying to get away from that. Like they're not interested in releasing mobile versions of Halo Infinite. They're interested in giving you the capability to play Halo Infinite on your phone. Um, which I think could be an important and key differentiator between the two. Because I don't, I mean, Nintendo's done like with mobile, right? They kind of, I don't know if and they officially gave up on it. Mario but, Tour, but yeah, Mario yeah. Kart Tour. But yeah, they, they've really pumped the brakes. For a while there, it was like multiple games a year. Yeah, Fire Emblem, Dr. Mario, uh, 
yeah, Mario, uh, Mario Run and all those other and ones. Before people yeah. like before people like jump on us about, oh, what do you mean Mario Kart Tour was the most successful one? What about Pokemon Go? Nintendo wasn't really involved with that. Yeah. That was Niantic and the Pokemon Company more, more so. I think Nintendo got like kind of like caught in the blast radius in a good way, but like they were not necessarily involved with that project. Yeah. And even Niantic beyond Pokemon Go has struggled to mm-hmm. find a... I mean, they haven't found a win as big as Pokemon Go. I know people like Pikmin. I know the Monster Hunter one that came out's good. I think there was a Harry Potter one. Like, it's yeah, Pokemon Go is the clear winner, and I don't think they're going to tap into that in a different way. It's got to be a different approach. I mean, Monster Hunter, from what I played, was a uh, a very interesting evolution of like the augmented reality map based gameplay that they really put on the map with uh, Pokemon Go and then uh, Ingress before that. But, you know, I, I think that there's got to be some new evolution that they really need to to crack into. But I mean, that's every everybody's looking for like the next big thing in mobile, which is yeah. what, what makes it so difficult because everybody is chasing the same thing. And uh, in doing so, it's kind of flooding the market of like, yeah. oh, like Mortal Kombat Onslaught just came out and they were like, all right, it's a hero collection RPG. And I'm like, all right, well, that immediately like appeals to me as somebody who plays Marvel Strike Force a lot. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll like this. And then like I, I sat in on a, uh, a demo for it and it's out now, by the way, on iOS and Android. But I was like, eh, I don't know if I need to play this one. Like it looks fine, but yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessarily something that I need to invest a bunch of time into. Like I have Marvel Strike Force. Yeah. And like, once you have, you have one already, like it's hard to get away from, you've put a, probably a lot of time and money into it and it's tough. That makes it even tougher to break away from Marvel strike force to check out a new game that you're not even sure if you're going to like or not. Now I have two, I have Marvel snap as well because that game rules. Yeah. yeah. Marvel snap is awesome. One year old now. Yeah. Happy Just anniversary. Yeah. Put it on switch. That'd be fun. That would. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a uh, another big news story, but this is kind of from the Nintendo side, but also third party. Um, it's the announcement of the Analog 3D. Now, uh, this is from the company that did that super popular Analog Pocket. They also have ones for the NES, SNES, and Sega Genesis. Basically, if you haven't heard of Analog, they do like these super high-end, modernized, feature-rich consoles that play your old cartridges and you know the the analog pocket did uh game boy game boy color game boy advance i think game gear is included in that i know that there's, yeah, some there's adapters. like there's adapters mm-hmm. you have to buy for uh, um, a bunch of the other like neo geo pocket i think you can buy adapters for so really the, the whole concept is you take your old cartridges and you can use them in these systems and they look and play better than ever because uh, it does like native 4K. It does um, like HDMI output and everything like that. Works with a lot of Bluetooth controllers. And that's basically what the Analog 3D is, but for N64, which is amazing. And they have like a quote that was like, Nintendo couldn't even do the N64 this well if they tried today. Like they're they're feeling good about this one. We haven't seen what yeah. the actual system looks like. Like all the images are like either super dark and like casted in shadows or uh, obscured and like only like one little corner of the console but if it's anything like their other stuff it's gonna look fantastic on your shelf yeah this one's interesting too because the little teaser image of the console like the pocket might as well just be a game boy advance but like very nice and special in 2023 but this this uh 3d does not at least in the teaser appear to look like a nintendo 64 in any way um it's almost it's way taller and more like 
angular and like circular. I don't know. It looks, I'm, I'm very interested to see what it looks like because yeah, like you mentioned, they do put out really good products. Yeah. And I've never gotten one because the, I, I thought about getting the analog pocket, but I've talked about it before. I'm not the biggest handheld guy, but there are still so many Game Boy games that I have. Yeah. And I don't have my GameCube hooked up, so I can't do like the Game Boy player. So like really my only option, I have my old school. I just like kind of did like a very, very minor restoration project on my old school Game Boy Color that like I got for Christmas in like 1998. And it's fun to like turn that on and play Tetris and everything, but it's so hard to go back without like the backlighting and like tiny little screen and all that stuff. So like my best option right now is playing it on the Switch. So I thought about like, all right, maybe I should get like an analog pocket, but they're so hard to get. (laughs) And then on top of that, they're very expensive too. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like the N64 one, I have a working N64. And then of course I have the original or the, the N64 controller for the switch that plays amazingly on the, uh, the switch online. So I'm like, how much do I really need this? I do have a lot of N64 cartridges, so maybe it would be worth it. But so it does 4k output, uh, Bluetooth connectivity for a bunch of different controllers, but you're definitely going to want to just use an N64 style controller, which is why there's four original style controller ports as well. So you can plug in four N64 controllers, which is great. Wi-Fi, I'm assuming for like firmware updates and everything like Mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm I'm doubting this will have kind of like the online capabilities that Switch Online has, but uh, who knows? They haven't really released a ton of details. They haven't even told us when it's coming out aside from sometime in 2024, which yeah. means you're probably not getting yours until 2026 because that's no, just yeah, how, that's how a lot of their releases work. And <laughs> so, you probably still won't get one because unless you're able to check out within two seconds, then you're probably screwed. <laughs> I it's I love their products. I don't own them. Like I love looking at them and seeing them and reading about them. But Analog is one of the most frustrating companies to do uh, like limited edition drops uh, with products and stuff. It's just so hard to get it and their site crashes every time and it's it, it's very frustrating as someone who wants a pocket i did this twice i've already vowed to like never try to get the drops on like the sneaker app oh uh, i i'm still i still do that and it sucks. I, I just can't do it because it sucks it, it yeah, makes me mad terrible. every single time so i've just sworn off the sneakers app i tried two different drops this week one was the pokemoncenter.com they put out that Van Gogh Pikachu and oh, I was like, spend yeah. $30 on Pokemon trading card game stuff and you'll get the Pikachu Van Gogh thing that everybody lost their minds over a couple weeks ago. You'll get that for free. So I'm like, oh, cool. So I went on their site. First of all, their site crashed completely for like 30 minutes. And then when it was finally back up and running, I went to go check out on some. I was like, OK, well, I'll just buy like $30 worth of that Pokemon 151 that they just put out because I love the original 151. And it had to be trading card game merch. So I was like looking at hats and then I was like, oh wait, no, I need to be a TCG thing. Yeah. Everything like fairly recent was completely sold out. I was going to buy like this $30 like Zapdos collection that like came with some booster packs for 151 and like a, a few different Zapdos things sold out. Everything just sold out. I'm like, all right, forget it. I I, I just yeah. got so frustrated. I just closed the, the browser. Then it happened again because uh, one of my followers, a longtime followers, uh, messaged me and was like, Hey, I saw you really wanted those Spider-Man two shoes that Adidas was putting out. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that I, I do. And he's like, Oh, it's on the, the Adidas app right now. If you download the Adidas app, you can go get it. It's like early access. And I looked and it was like $225 or something. And I was like, 
no, no thanks. I would spend like 150 on them, but like not 220. That's a lot. That's more than Nike's um, Spider-Verse shoes. That's more than a lot of Air Jordans. Yeah. I mean, I I used to buy a lot of Jordans back in the day. I mean, maybe they've gone up because everything is more expensive to the point that it's just untenable at this point. But I was like, okay, well, I'll get these. And then I decided not to. And I told him, like, hey, thanks. But like, you know, I'm I'm just I can't spend that much money. And he was like, oh, if you're a T-Mobile customer, there's like a code that like gets you a huge (laughs) discount on Adidas like website or their app. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. And he's like, I am. Here's a code. And I was like, what? And then I went to go check out and I said there were four left in my size. And by the time I checked out, there were zero left in my size. So I, uh, I it's I, annoying I, that like when I check, when I put it in my cart, take it out of your inventory and give me five minutes. It's annoying that they don't do that because then you get all the way to check out. You put in all your info. You're like, this is in my cart. My info is correct. Certainly this is mine. You hit checkout and it's like, nope, someone else already bought it. And it's like, this was in my cart. It doesn't make sense. I'm getting very fed up by like the the scarcity that yes. exists in so many products now. And I know that they're just trying to replicate that that rush that you have, that impulse buy. But in the process, all they're doing is fueling the scalpers and screwing yeah. up the people that really want this stuff. I mean, Nintendo's as guilty of it as a lot of a lot of people are. But like it it, it actually all dates back. Like my earliest example of that was like the NES and SNES when like video game fever was really sweeping the nation. It was like people were losing their minds, lining up outside of toy stores at like four in the morning, hoping that they get an NES before Christmas. I mean, it was replicated again with the Wii when that first yeah. came out. Cause like, I remember we got, the only reason we got our Wii was we happened to be at a Best Buy when like the stock came in and we we're like, are those like able to be bought? And they're like, yeah, we haven't put them out on the shelf yet. And I'm like, can we buy two? Cause like we were going to buy one for us and then one for a family that we knew that really wanted to get one for their kids. And they're like, yeah, but it's like limited one per person. So like my mom and I were like, okay, well we'll each take one. <laughs> and like, that's the only reason we had a, Wii the first year it came out because we got lucky. And like, it's just so frustrating when like, this is kind of become common with a lot of things. And I just saw that like, even like, weird things like the Wheaties Spider-Man two boxes that they just put out. They're $45. I didn't know that Wheaties boxes were $45. I remember buying like the collectible, like, uh, like my favorite athletes would be on like the Wheaties box. I'd be like, Oh, I want to get that one. And I would go buy it and it would just be like the normal price of a cereal box. Now it's like, everybody's realizing that they can just monetize scarcity and collectability. And it's infuriating. Yeah. It sucks a lot. It's, um, very frustrating and it's scary that we're probably about to enter that next year with uh the switch successor i don't know if the switch was easy for you but like i was driving around town for like i I probably spent two three hours going to every store i could because the store app or whatever would say three in stock so i rushed there none go to the next door um and yeah, so I'm just not looking forward to that with the switch tube or whatever i think i got lucky in the sense that one I worked at Game Informer, so I was in an office at the time of pre-orders going live on websites. So somebody, maybe it was Joe Juba, like saw that the pre-orders were live and he just like yelled it out into the bullpen and everybody like went on and pre-ordered their thing. So like we all got it on day one because of that, right? Yeah. So we got lucky in that sense. And like, we all actually shipped it to the office because we're like, well, it's going to arrive during the day. I don't want it sitting outside my house all day. So like, I remember like one day, like I guess it was like March 3rd, 2017, 
all of us got packages at like the same time. And it was just like a giant delivery of switches that we all ordered individually. But I guess because we ordered them off like Amazon and Best Buy and wherever, they were just like delivered all at once from like the FedEx or UPS guy. That's awesome. <laughs> just drops a pallet of switches. It really felt like it. But uh, all right, enough on that. We will end the news segment on this. Mortal Kombat 1. We covered how poorly that switch port was doing in the early days but it received its first performance patch that uh i've watched some videos online i I still have not played the switch version um they were not handing out codes for that version uh, i think Hmm. rightfully so (laughs) but uh they uh, people are saying it it did some wonders for that switch version so that's good um the the load times are still kind of long um especially when compared to like the almost instantaneous drop into a match for like the PS5 and Xbox Series X. That's good news overall for people who are talking about the state of the Switch version at launch. Um, but it's still a pretty rough port when compared to the PS5 and Xbox versions. But I'm pretty sure we knew that was going to be the case when they announced that it was coming through that and not Xbox One and PS4. Um, but the other news that we have out of Mortal Kombat 1 is we have a loose release schedule for the DLC now. So we got our first trailer of Omni-Man from Invincible. Uh, he's coming next month, at least in early access. I'm assuming that shortly thereafter, people will be able to play him who don't have the combat pack or didn't like buy the premium edition or whatever it is that gets you the early access. Then this winter will be Quan Chi and Peacemaker. Then uh, Takeda Takahashi will arrive in spring. And then all of that is included in Combat Pack 1. And it also adds five new cameo fighters over the course of that same schedule. Um, do you have a, a favorite out of this bunch? Um, probably, uh, it was between Homelander and Omni-Man just cause like, it's just very excited to see how they, uh, do that. And now after seeing Omni-Man's trailer, probably Omni-Man, those, the references in that trailer are so awesome. And I, for some reason, didn't realize how well Omni-Man translates to Mortal Kombat, even though having read some of the comics and seen the show, the first season of it, it is incredibly gory and graphic it fits in perfectly with mortal kombat so to see them bring a jk simmons voiced omni-man to mortal kombat and watch him just like crush a skull and and slam somebody through the train coming by ah it's so sick i can't wait and also short by i neglected to mention that shortly after that uh takeda takahashi release will be uh homelander as well Mm, yes probably Uh, for i bet that'll be time to like season four of the boys or something Oh God, I love that show so much. Are you a fan of Invincible? Yes, yeah, I love it, yeah. Sell me on that. As somebody who I, I love, you know, Marvel movies, I love DC movies, I love The Boys, like, this seems like it should be right up my alley. I just haven't ever gotten around to watching it. So you haven't watched it? Oh, no. well, I mean, I don't even need to sell you. Just commit to watching the first episode, which I think is like 30 minutes, and you'll be in. Like, I Which is on Prime, right? Yeah, uh, which is unfortunate because Prime is the worst video player of the streaming services i mean paramount Um, plus is garbage true that's fair yeah um but yeah literally if you just watch the first episode you'll be in the ending to that first episode is one of the best endings to an episode ever similar to the boys actually which i think the boys's pilot episode is fantastic and the way that it ends is awesome um but no the ending of the first episode invincible you'll be sold and it's like i think eight episodes total like you could rip through it in a day or two it's uh it's so good and it's only one season so far. Yeah, season two comes out soon-ish, next year. I early do next love J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons, Stephen Yoon as... Um, oh, Stephen Yoon's in it. 
Invincible. They've got uh, Zazie Beats is uh, I forget his girlfriend's name, but the, the voice cast is it's it's one of those like you know super packed voice casts. It's awesome. That's awesome. Um, have you watched Gen V at all? That's the boys' spinoff. No, I haven't. I'm uh, we I, I'm playing catch up on shows, and right now I'm watching Loki and um, just started the Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix, and I can only do like two shows at a time. So um, I get that. Yeah, I gotta wait for Gen V. I need to watch the latest episode of Loki. I'm very much enjoying that show. I'm I'm mm-hmm. curious where it's going. But uh, yeah, we're gonna end the news segment there <laughs> because we have gone on so many tangents talking about in artificial scarcity, talking about the boys, Invincible, uh, all things Nintendo, plus others. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna take our first break, and when we get back, I will deliver my review of Super Mario Brothers Wonder. We will be right back. Super Mario Brothers Wonder is out now, and I am finally ready to deliver my verdict on this game. We've talked about it ad nauseum, the, the reveal, the uh, cover story, first hands-on, all that stuff, all that anticipation leading up to this moment when the game is out now. It is the first mainline 2D Mario game in over a decade, so it has been a long time coming. Wes, what is your hype level for this game as somebody who has not yet played it? It was like at an eight or nine, um, and now it's at like a ten. It's it's already one of the best scoring games of the year, and the more I see about it, which I'm trying to not see much, but you know, being on Twitter and stuff, you see things. Um, I can't wait. It just looks like such a delight. It's it'll be a perfect complement to next week's very scary Alan Wake two and Spider Man two and all these other games I'm playing. It'll just be that that ray of sunshine I need. Yeah, I was so excited coming into this game and, uh, you know, like all the stuff that they're doing. uh, We've talked about on this show before, like the the wonder effects just being so creative, the badge system allowing you to like choose what moveset you want, which is really like novel in the Mario franchise because you're so used to having that standardized moveset. It all felt so creative, like the level design, the new enemy types. And it was like, okay, this is what Mario should be after 11 years of not having like a mainline console 2D game. And really, I was I was super hopeful for this game. And I I went into it with a lot of optimism and some high expectations. And I am pleased to say, Wes, Mario Wonder met and maybe even exceeded my expectations. Yeah, it's so good. It is so good. So much fun. It it's creative beyond all all measures that you could have ever thought it would go. Some of the stuff that like I've had like moments where I would be playing and I would just like laughing at the absurdity or like the weirdness that's happening on screen. Uh, The gameplay feels so good. Um, You know, I don't know really what it is I can say about this game because it's like everybody knows how 2d Mario plays and everybody expects it to play amazingly. And it does. It, It plays so well. It is the 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 tight gameplay that we've come to expect from Mario with the creativity of like a 3D Mario game, right? Like the wackiness that we saw in games like Odyssey and even in, to some extent, some of the, the stuff in Galaxy or 3D World or uh, like Sunshine, some of like just the weirder elements of that feel like they have been translated perfectly, but in new forms to Super Mario Brothers Wonder and in the process, it also gives you the level design of a game like Super Mario World, 
which is the highest compliment I can give this game. And it is so good, so consistent, and it it's always just a joy to play through this game. And I, I don't know how we want to approach this conversation. I don't really have like a structure or anything like that. But like, as somebody who hasn't played the game, like, what are your impressions of this game? And like, what are you most curious about? Um, my impressions are, well, I guess like for me, um, uh, first question, like, does it, is it worth, like, does it feel like an 11 year or however long the gap is? Does it feel like that much time was justified? Like we waited 10 plus years for the next 2D Mario game and this is what it is. Was it like worth the wait in every way? Yes, it it's the best Mario game, best 2D Mario game since the Super Nintendo. I feel fairly mm. confident saying that. It, it, it beats all the new Super Mario Brothers games as much as I like those games. It adds on so many layers of creativity. The wonder effects are so much fun. The um, just all of the level design introduces so many gimmicks and those gimmicks are presented very early on in the level. Like some will have like, all right, well this enemy is going to like fly towards you and break through the bricks. And that is, just tells you like right before you even get to them, they'll fly through and break through the bricks. And it's like, okay, if I get near these birds, they're going to do that. How am I going to use that in like the future parts of this level? And that just like expertly designed on ramp tells you everything you need to know about the gimmicks of the level. And they do that so many times, but it never feels like, Oh, here's the on ramp that we're doing. It's like, no, like there's always like that light bulb that goes off in your head as you play through the level. Like, oh, they want me to use the gimmick in this way. They want me to use it in this way. Okay, how do I get to that? Oh, I, I need to use this this enemy to break through this stuff. And, and then like they do such an amazing job of like breadcrumbing you and making sure that you understand this is the gimmick that we're employing in this level. And then like it makes you excited to see how it reaches its kind of ultimate realization either later on in the level or in a future level and i was always like i've always been a fan of the way nintendo kind of rotates through its gimmicks right it's like yeah all right this one has this this like convention this design convention this enemy that you have to do or whatever this this level design convention and then a lot of times you'll never see that again right like you just have one really good level with those conventions employed this one reuses a few over the course of it however I was always more excited when it popped back up because I'm like, oh, what are they going to do with it now? Because you know they're not just going to be like, it's the same thing again. It's like, no, they yeah. they justify why they bring them back. And I always was so excited when they did that. And like, they always one-upped themselves, not to use wordplay there, but they always one-upped themselves in creating something new and exciting with each successive level. And I loved that. And they, they had two missions that they really wanted to do when they came into this one. And this is from talking to the director, Shiro Mori as part of the cover story. They wanted to fill the game with secrets and mysteries. I, they accomplished that 200% over, right? Like so many mysteries, like you, whenever the wonder seat or wonder flower pops up and you're about to embark on the wonder effect. I always was like, all right, what's it going to be now? What's it going to be now? And I was always like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Like so many fun, joyful moments that employ different 
gameplay conventions sometimes things you never thought you'd see in a 2d mario like the the top-down perspective i'm like <laughs> who would have ever thought that a 2d mario game would be like all right now it's a top-down game like what yeah. like that was just wild and then the other thing that they wanted to do was give players freedom of choice and they do that in a few ways one was like the badge system that i talked about where it's like you can as you unlock these badges you can choose what move set you want your character to be or what character to have so if you're playing you can have like oh i want my guy to have a kind of like a, a glide so you can do parachute cap and uh or you could do like oh i want my character to have uh a, a kind of the super mario brothers 2 usa crouching a high jump so that's another one you can do or you can be like, oh, I'm doing this particular level. I want It's going to be an underwater level. I want to have them have a dolphin kick so they can go faster underwater. And it makes the water levels so much more tolerable because I've always been so anti-water levels, especially in any 2D platformer. Yeah. But like, it's funny because both Mario and Sonic seem to realize that people don't like 2D platforming water levels, but they feel some obligation to have it. So rather than getting rid of the, the water levels they put in powers that you can unlock that make them better. And I think both of them were fairly successful. I think Mario may have been more successful in making the water levels better because it was a, a level long ability. Whereas Sonic is just kind of a brief level or brief power that you can employ, but like they, they do a great job with adding the badges for the freedom of choice, but they also allow you to skip certain levels. If you don't want to play certain levels, like the, the hub world is set up. So sometimes there's linear paths from like level to level, but then other times it's just a big open area. And as long as you get enough wonder seeds to unlock the palace, you can skip levels if you want. And I mean, I, I 100% of the game. So I obviously did not skip any levels or any challenges, but you know, that that's, that's there. And they accomplished these missions so well. The only thing I will say they fell short of in terms of like the secrets and mysteries category is that the 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 purple coins, which are one of the main collectibles. So the two primary collectibles are the 10 flower coins, of which there are three in each level, and the wonder seeds. That There are two of those in every level, sometimes three if there is a secret exit. So for the, the 10 flower coins... You may remember like the the coins that you collect in the new Super Mario Brothers series. Sometimes they were really hidden. the The flower coins are less hidden. It's more about like challenging you to to like explore the level a little bit more. Like because you'll see it in the background, and you'll be like, okay, how do I get to the background? And you'll have to like figure out. Oh, there's this pipe that I have to like push over to the right, and then that snaps it into place with this other pipe, and then I can jump in there and go down, and it'll take me to the background, and that's where I can get that coin. It's not so much like hidden, I would say 95% of the time. Usually it is something yeah. you can see and you just have to either be good enough to get it or be smart enough to figure out how to get to it, right? So that is the one place that I think they fell short of in terms of like the secrets and mysteries part. But I don't mind that shift because that was just like changing the convention from what it was in New Super Mario Brothers into this new form of collecting coins as you progress through the level. That I didn't mind so much. Um but yeah, I think that they accomplished those goals so thoroughly. And uh, yeah, it's just always one of those games that keeps you on your toes as you play through it. What is the um, overworld map like? Is it uh, just pretty standard, like, uh, I don't know, like in 3D world? Or does it have like its own secrets, like in Super uh, Mario World? Kind of both. Like secret exits will unlock additional like paths 
Mm-hmm. And then other times, like you have to like like Super Mario 3D World, you're like, you know, you can run around kind of freely, but you can also find secret areas like there's like a like a, I don't want to spoil anything, but like there's like a secret area that I didn't find until after I beat the final challenge. I'm like, how am I missing three wonder seeds? And then like I was like, oh, there's like this thing I have to go and do behind this one area of the level that I would have never thought of unless I was just being like super uh thorough with my exploration and you know eventually i i did get it and was able to to complete the the game 100 but you know it's a it's just a, a really fun to explore and like you know it's 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 a standard hub world so it's not too over the top and crazy but it's it's definitely one that you're going to want to spend some time in finding additional things to to uncover and like do in the overworld does it have any, um, like, it sounds like the Wonder Seeds are like the big, you know, crazy wild moments that are fun to experience. Are there any big moments? Uh, is there like, um, what's it called in 3D World? Challenge Road or Challenge something? The last level that's like 10 minutes long and you can't Champions die. Road. Yes, Champions Road. Is there a like a jump up superstar moment from Odyssey or, uh, gosh, just new Super Mario Bros. Have any moments like that? I don't know. I haven't played those in a minute. But are you are talking any, about like, like something that's going to stick with me, or are you talking yeah, about something like, very challenging? No, no, I guess something that sticks with with you. Like, is there like a standout moment that, like, when people talk about Wonder from now, they're going to be like, "Yeah, remember that moment?" Because that's like for Odyssey, you know, jump up, uh, superstar, or um, the dark side of the moon, and all that kind of stuff. Like, those are the moments that I highlight. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be honestly different for everybody because I think people are going to find different things that they love about the different wonder effects mm-hmm. because there are so, I think that if the, the wonder effect happened one time, like, and it was just one of the wonder effects, you'd be like, Oh, that was the coolest moment of that game. But there are just so many of them just crammed into this game. And literally every main stage has a wonder effect and they're rarely reused. Like there's, I think there's the one that was used the most, I think appeared like three times and there are okay, so many cool. levels that like, it's hard to really single one of them out. What's um, the quality bar like with the Wonder Seeds? Are there some that are clear, like winners, and then others where you're like, ah, oh, this one kind of sucks compared to these, or are they all pretty great? I don't know that any of them necessarily suck, but like there are definitely, there's like a hierarchy of like, okay, I like that one. That one's like one of my favorites. And there's other ones that I'm like, oh, that was fun, but like, whatever, nothing super special. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that they did a really great job designing them. I mean, in talking to them, they told me that like they had probably thousands of ideas and they stripped that down to anywhere between one and 10% of the ideas used. Cause like originally he was like, so I was like, what percent of your ideas were actually used versus the ones that you scrapped? And he was like, eh, probably like, it's hard to put a number on it, but probably like 10%. And he's like, Oh, but now that I think of it, it could be as low as 1%. So that's wild. Was, like the, the quality is pretty high on these because like they not only, had a ton to choose from so like they they had a a wider pool to pull from than if it was just like okay we came up with 200 and that's how many we put in here uh no they had a lot to choose from and obviously they chose the best ones or the ones they thought were the best and then they iterated on it which in talking to mori and tezuka that's one of the secret sauces of nintendo is they find these amazing ideas and they just iterate on them until they're like okay we really drilled down to the core that makes this idea fun and that is what we're going to expand upon once they finally iterate onto it and make it so it's like we've reached like really gotten down to the core of the the fun part of this idea. Now, how do we expand on that core? And they, they did that over and over and over again with Mario Wonder. 
That's awesome. Uh, how is our new voice of Mario, Kevin Afghani? I think Luigi. he does a great job. I think he does a really good job. Like, you know, I th- I was among the people who they were like, uh, like when the trailer first came out, they were like, he sounds a little different. And then Charles Martinet announced he was not voicing Mario going forward. And everybody's like, okay, so that's why he sounded different. It's probably a different yeah. voice actor for this. But by the time, like I got through like the first couple of levels, I'm like, all right, this is just Mario's voice now. Like I didn't, it's not like jarring. I mean, that was kind of the way I felt about, mario like with chris pratt though right where like when the mario movie came out i was like okay this is a little weird at first and then by the middle of the movie i'm like yeah that's just mario for all intents of like this movie like i i don't know like i'm i'm easy to adapt on a character like mario where you know he has this iconic voice and obviously the voice actor uh what's his name kevin afghani Yes, Kevin, Kevin Afghani, 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 yeah. Afghani. Um, he obviously is doing kind of a Charles Martinet impression in this this game, whereas Chris Pratt went his own route. But like because Mario is not like outside of like his little catchphrases, he's not the most verbose character. So I think it's easier for me to adapt to having a different voice. And like, you know, we've talked about it on the movie with, with the movie. It would kind of suck if Chris Pratt was just doing the Charles Martinet Mario voice for the entirety of a 90 minute movie. I feel like that would be yeah. like nails on the chalkboard after a minute of that. Yeah, like, which, for sure. I'm glad that they started the movie with a little bit of a nod to that, but then I, they just transitioned to like, okay, now it's like a normal person talking. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So uh, let's see. Uh, power-ups. We, we've seen the elephant and we've seen some other power-ups. Drill, mushroom, um, uh, drill mushroom and bubble flower are the other yeah. two new ones. Um, overall, I'm not gonna. What was that? Overall, like, how do you feel about these new power ups and just power ups in general and how they're integrated into the gameplay? I think they're they're great. Uh, the elephant Mario power up or elephant fruit power up is awesome. Like, it does everything that they want it to do. Uh, it plays so well into the expressive art style. They give you um, like so many little animations of like elephant Mario trying to fit into things. Like if you are going a place where like normally Mario would be able to fit in there, but like elephant Mario is bigger. So like you don't like he'll, he'll like kind of like hunch over and like, you'll see like his head like squishing up against and his ears squishing up against like the, the ceiling. Um, and then like, you know, he'll go into like a door and like his butt kind of gets stuck and he has to like kind of push through. <laughs> Uh, same thing for pipes. Like he has to kind of like push himself down into pipes. Uh, and like, even like there's little animations. If you're not elephant Mario, like if you're running in and you're just like regular Mario, he'll like his hat will get kind of left behind. He'll like, you'll, you'll see him go in and his hat will just kind of like do like the floating, like cartoon, like Looney Tunes yeah. thing. And then like Indiana Jones style, he'll reach back, grab it and pull it into the pipe. <laughs> Uh, just little animations like that are great. Uh, the sound yeah, I saw is this is the I saw this is the first Mario game where when you stand on an edge, the characters acknowledge that they're on an edge. Like they don't just stand there with their toes over it. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, little touches like that. I love that when you get a power up, like there's like almost like a little like paper craft cutout that goes around them. Like like there's like an outline oh, cool. of like when even if you just get like a, a super mushroom, there's like a little like Mario like like gets a big smile on his face. He grows big. And like, there's like a, like a, a comic book style, like cutout around him that like really emphasizes that he's powering up. And I love that. Um, as for the power-ups themselves, I think they're perfectly implemented. Uh, the elephant fruit lets you destroy blocks from the side, which does a lot of really great stuff um, for like some of the puzzle solving. 
some of the levels you need that to like get to certain secret exits or coins or whatever. I mean, there's, there's almost always a workaround. Like you can carry a shell from like a past part of the level or can lure an enemy to destroy it. But like, if you're an elephant, you can just be like, all right, well, I'm just going to swing my trunk at it and destroy it. And that's like the easiest way to do it. Uh, the bubble flower ended up being a surprise favorite for me. I think I actually don't that, even know what this bubble flower does. What is, so it lets uh, you blow a bubble. It, it oh, lets you cool. blow bubbles. Like blowing if, bubbles. <laughs> and uh, they, it, it's so satisfying because it's similar to like the, so the other, the, the two legacy power-ups outside of the superstar, which is always around usually, or yeah. usually I, don't, I can't think of a Mario game. It doesn't have a superstar or some sort of invincibility thing. I guess Mario 64 didn't really, did, did that really have a superstar? Cause it was no. the star was like the collectible. Uh, it wasn't really like a, a power-up in that case. True. Um, it, like they, were, they had the caps in that one that let, let you do certain things. But um, for the bubble flower, it allows you to uh, just shoot bubbles out. And the bubbles will like if they cross past an enemy, the enemy gets stuck in in the bubble and then they just disappear and turn in. I think they usually turn into a coin. But so yeah, that it's really powerful to, in like defeating enemies, just throwing the bubbles out. And it's it's satisfying to see them get stuck in the bubble and then like. <laughs> Float away, <laughs> yeah. pass away. <laughs> it's it's a uh, it, it's it's fun to use in that way, but you can also use it for platforming. So you know. can throw a bubble out and then jump off the bubble to bounce up. So oh, that's, that's cool. helpful in a lot of cases. But like, I don't know. It's more satisfying to me to throw a bubble at an enemy and have them get stuck in the bubble than it is like using the fire flower to to hit them. I mean, I love the fire flower and the the super mushroom being the other legacy power up that got brought forward. The drill mushroom is fun for exploration and it's it's cool to like because with the drill mushroom you can uh burrow through things. So like you can destroy blocks from above or below. And uh, you know, enemies, if like enemy drops from like the ceiling or comes at you from above, you're protected because your head is a drill, so like they'll end up like mm. not being able to hurt you. The the key thing for that is like being able to burrow into the ground and like go under certain things. So like there's secrets that you can get by doing that. Um, it's less of a utility thing and more of like a specialized power up. I felt okay, gotcha. um, but yeah, I would say the hierarchy for me was Bubble Flower one, Elephant Fruit two, Drill Mushroom three in terms of like the new power ups. Uh, in terms of like level design they do some really cool stuff like there's obviously like some of the stuff with that, that like we've come to expect from mario games like there's hidden blocks and like boss battles and stuff which by the way we'll talk about the boss battles that's one of my my sole criticisms that i have of this game mm. are the boss battles but for the level design itself like they have so many new elements that i love like the zip tracks are one of my favorite parts of uh the game they don't show up super often but when they do, I'm like, oh, okay, this is so much fun. Like they're the yeah. ones that are basically like you're grinding on if you're on the top, or you're basically like zip lining if you're on the the if you're on the bottom of them. And there are some really fun sequences with that. Not the least of which is a uh, on the mo most difficult challenge in the entire game. There's a zip track sequence that I could probably do with my eyes closed now because it's the first part of uh, after the first checkpoint that uh, I died on. I I am so happy I went into that final challenge with hundred lives because I churned through lives in that final challenge. Really? <laughs> um, I, I, well, I guess we'll talk about this. I don't want to give away any spoilers. If, if you do want to know what you get for completing the final, 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 final challenge, 
go to GameInformer.com or GameInformer on YouTube because I posted a video of your reward for getting that. Um, so you can check that out. Is this challenge the one that, uh, I forget his name, couldn't beat in your cover I would story? have to guess so. He didn't tell me. Takashi Tezuka, ah. uh, you know, who's been working on Mario since the very first game, he told me that there was uh, a couple of things in the game that he was not able to complete. And I would not be surprised at all if this is one of them. And yeah. the last thing that you can do in the game, it took me, it's probably like if you were able to do it in one life, for example, I would bet that it takes you like three and a half to five minutes, somewhere in that vicinity. So it's a long challenge. There are uh, there are some checkpoints in there, so it's not like a do it all in one shot thing. I'm not going to tell you even what like the gimmick is with it, but you uh again if you want to see my guide you can go to gameinformer.com but you have to do it all and it's so hard it took me probably (laughs) uh probably an hour and a half to do it the first time and just it was it tested my metal i was like throwing my controller into the couch i was very i was conscious (laughs) about that i was throwing it into like a pillow yeah um I was I was saying naughty words, and course, yeah. uh, I was I was very very angry at this game for that period. <laughs> but like, I, and here's the thing: here's my 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 war story for this game. I finally got through it. I was an uh, hour and a half of gameplay. Finally got it, and I was like, oh my god, I did it! I don't have to play this level ever again. And I didn't get the flagpole. Oh no. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm a hundred percenting this game. I have to do it again. So in once more into the breach, I went and this time it only took me 30 minutes, but still like, Oof, that's brutal. There are a couple sequences in it that I, I, the only way I could get into get past them is a measure of luck. Like even wow. playing it again yesterday. Cause I was like, well, let me try to like capture this and like, shared on the YouTube. I was like, I, I don't have time for this. I just, I don't have the time. I don't have the patience. I don't have the ability right now because like I was, that was the first thing I tried to do was like, just jump right into there after not playing for a day. Yeah. You need to be fully warmed up for this challenge. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's as far as it's as hard as uh, champions road on super Mario 3d world, but it's uh, I would say top five, most difficult Mario levels. Champions road is especially hard only because like the no checkpoints thing too. If you, if you have checkpoints, then I feel like Champions Road is pretty doable. If this had no checkpoints, I would say it's up there with Champions Road. Wow. Okay. Dang. I'm excited. Um, and you know, I I think I'm I I I don't know, man. It's thinking of like my favorite Mario games of all time. Super Mario World is easily number one, but then after that, like it oscillates back and forth between 2D and 3D. It's probably like. Mario 64 is in the in the mix for top five. Mario Odyssey is easily my favorite 3D Mario game. Maybe my second yeah. favorite. Mario 3 is in there. Um, so, like, I love the 2D side and the 3D side a lot. I'm much better at playing 2D Mario than I am at playing 3D Mario. Like, if, if you told me, like, all right, you have to beat a really challenging 2D level or you have to beat a really challenging 3D level before you eat lunch today... <laughs> I would tell you, all right, bring on the 2D level because yeah. I'm just better at 2D platforming than I am 3D platforming. I'm not saying I'm bad at 3D platforming, but I, I'm more confident in my skills in 2D platforming. And even then, I was I struggled with this final challenge. 
thing. That's exciting. So tell me about these um boss battles. The boss battles are overall fine. They use the wonder effects, so like there's there's some cool different stuff at play. I don't I want to fall short of like giving away too much about them. Every boss battle is distinct in the sense that it uses different wonder effects. Okay. But it's always against the same character. Hmm. At least up until the final battle. All yeah. the um, the vast majority of the boss battles, we'll just go there, are against the same character with essentially the same move set. The only thing that you have that differentiates them are the wonder effects, which are cool, but it just didn't feel like it was up to the level of creativity that the rest of the the game had set. And that was the one criticism I had of the main game, right? There's the levels are incredible. There's these levels called search party where it just dumps you into an open area, like an open course, non-linear course. You're going through it and you just have to find five tokens and Hmm. each there's four of them. And each one of them has a different thing going on. It's always like a very obscure, like, are you, these were the ones that I struggled with the most aside from the final challenge was like, I got stuck on one of them for like a good five minutes. Like, just like, all right, where is that last token? (laughs) Yeah, and that's why that's what drove me to write a guide for it on GameInformer.com because I'm like other people are going to struggle with this. <clears throat> I don't ever want to put open spoilers out there, so everything is behind like a warning of spoilers. So don't yep. get mad at me if you see somebody screen capping <laughs> my thing. I I clearly mark in all of my stuff warning spoilers contained in here. And that's why I'm kind of being vague in my talk about the game in this, but like I do want to give you my full verdict here since the game is out by the time you hear this recording. So. The search party is fun. There's a KO arena that is in a lot of the worlds. And basically what that is, it it lets you in the very beginning, choose two power-ups to bring with you. One of them you're going to have right then and there. The other one is going to be in your inventory. Every player has an inventory that they can keep kind of like Super Mario World. And then you go out and it's a timed challenge of how fast can you get through a multi-stage a course where your job is just to defeat every enemy in the area. It's kind of like those mystery rooms in 3D World. Yeah. So it's like, all right, this is going to, you're going to have three or four levels and you got to beat all the enemies in there. So you got to be really strategic about what power ups you choose. So I would often choose the uh, elephant flower as my first one because then I would get the bubble or the elephant fruit and then the bubble flower would transfer the elephant fruit to my inventory and then I would go in with the bubble flower because I felt like I was more precise with that and that can go through walls and that can like hit enemies that are above you or or kind of farther away from you. The the fire flower was always a little bit imprecise for me and the drill mushroom just very rarely was like the right choice for these KO arenas. Yeah. But I, um, I always loved those and then like based on how fast you got through them, you would get the purple flower coins. So like you have to beat them in like a really fast pace in order get to get three. The, the final one. Yeah. Cause it's like one of them's like, okay, if you beat it in 200 seconds, which is pretty easy, you'll get the first one. If you beat it in 150 seconds, you'll get it the second one. Then you beat it at 90 seconds. That's when you get the third one. And sometimes that last one was pretty tough. Um, yeah. But those were always some of my favorite levels. There are badge challenge levels where like, it just gives you one of the badges and it's like, all right, here, just go through a level tailor-made for this badge. And those are fun. Sometimes they get pretty challenging near the end, like as you get to like 
the later badge challenges, those end up being some of the more difficult, uh, just single focused levels. And then uh, there are others that are just like standard levels, right? You're going through it and you find three coins as you go through, you fight enemies. And then there's a wonder seed or wonder flower that opens up the wonder effect and you're trying to get the wonder seed. Those are kind of the levels that you can come to expect in this game. And uh, yeah, it's just so much fun. The other criticism I will give this game is the multiplayer options. So Mm -hmm. having co-op is fun, right? Playing, I've played two-player co-op, I've played three-player co-op, I've played four-player co-op in Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Always fun. It's not the chaos that it was in Super Mario or New Super Mario Brothers. It is more measured, and that's because you don't interact with each other unless Yoshi is one of the characters. If you jump on Yoshi, you can ride around on Yoshi. He can uh, he can help you. You can do the, the Yoshi jumps. So like, if you need to get higher, you can do that. Um, but outside of that, you don't interact with each other. And I like that because like it would get almost to the point of like detrimental if you were playing yeah. New Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario 3D World. It would be detrimental if you had a party of four going through these levels because you'd be bouncing off each other. You'd be accidentally picking each other up and throwing each other in lava pits. I'm glad that is gone in Super Mario Brothers Wonder. However, that's only available in local. You cannot take that online, which is a huge bummer because this would be so much fun. And they, they cracked the code. They cracked the online multiplayer code when they did the Switch version of Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario 3D World. That was an option to play online multiplayer. So why was that? I feel like a 2D game would be easier to crack the case or crack the code for that when it comes to online multiplayer than it would be for a 3D game. So I'm just confused why it's not an option. There are online multiplayer options. So there's an asynchronous multiplayer option where you can activate online and you continue playing single player but you will see the ghosts of other characters in your level or other players in your level. And it's like, sometimes they are in uh, like, they're in the level right now and they can actually die. And if they, sw- if they swim as a ghost over to you within five seconds of dying, you can rescue them and they'll respawn in their game. But like, if they defeat an enemy, it doesn't affect your instance. Uh, if they like unlock something, it doesn't affect your instance. And it's like, okay, that's fine. You can also set up lobbies with friends, up to 12 people to go around and do levels together. So you see their ghosts and you know who they are. But even if I you're think- just playing by yourself, you can see like the the player's like name. Like, like yeah. I, it's funny. I was playing and I saw my friend and I was like, oh, is that like just her ghost? Or is that is she actually in this level right now? And I got a message from her on Instagram. It's like, oh my God, we were just in the same level together. Oh, so those awesome. moments are fun. But I, I wish that there was a way to play like the, the co-op in there. Because you can also set up races. So like you can go into uh, the lobby, the, the same lobby, and you can at the start when you have like a lobby of players, there's a little like checkered block at the start of every level. And what you can do is you can hit that block when you first spawn into the level. And anybody else in your lobby that hits that block up to four people can join in a race through the course. That's cool. And, uh, oh, speaking of races, there is one more level type that I forgot to mention, and that is the Wiggler race. And there's only a few of these, but you can go through it, and it's basically just like a, a race. You're, you're racing a Wiggler through the level, 
and uh, your your goal is just to get there before the end before he does. So uh, it's kind of fun to go like the speed run route there, and that's also the thing with uh, the multiplayer, right? You can do the speed run uh, racing through there, and that's fun. But the thing about Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and I point this out in my review, my favorite moments were when I was taking my time and exploring and poking around and finding the little secrets and enjoying the wonder effects because it's almost always faster to skip the wonder effect than it is to go through the wonder effect. So by doing the racing, it's fun to go through a course as fast as possible and be like, oh, wow, that was really fun. Like we're, we're jumping off enemies. We're just trying to get to the end as fast as possible. You are skipping some of the best parts of the level in doing that. So while... A speed run is not inherently a bad thing. In fact, I love getting through levels as fast as possible. In this game in particular, it feels like, oh, there's the Wonder Flower. I should just keep going because I want to get to the flagpole before my my opponents. Yeah. So it's a bummer that that's the only like direct multiplayer option that you can do online. Um, is it distracting having all the ghosts on? Like, I from what I've seen, like I don't think I will be doing that. Sometimes, uh, at least often. But at the uh, other times, it's like I was actually stuck on like one of those search party courses and you could see that and like this might be a positive or negative depending on your viewpoint. It could show you like, oh, there's somebody standing right there, but there's no block there. Oh, there must be an invisible block. So you jump up and like, oh, there was an invisible block there. So there's some spoilers that get mentioned into there because of like you're trying to figure out this level. And like if you have the ghosts running around, you'll see like, oh, they're going up there and like there must be like a hidden thing up there. And uh, so that might be a good thing if you're like, oh, I don't want to be stuck on a level for too long. Or it might be a bad thing if you're like, I want to figure everything out for myself and like not have anybody tell me how to do this. So it's a double edged sword. And yes, in like some of those like later things where like I'm like having a hard time like getting through a level, it can be a little bit distracting to be like, all right, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on getting through this level. And then you see like a Luigi, like using his grapple vine and like basically Spider-Manning through the level. And you're like, it like would break my concentration sometimes. So yeah, I could see how it could be distracting, but overall I think it was a positive. I just, my big thing is I wish standard co-op. I wish like when you fire up Super Mario Brothers Wonder for the first time, you could message me on our Slack or discord and be like, Hey, do you want to play a couple levels of Mario wonder? And I could say, yeah, let's do it. And it's just seamless, like a modern video game should be. Yeah. So really, I mean, those are my two criticisms of the game. Outside of that, it is phenomenal. Like the outside of the boss battles, which are again are fine, and the online multiplayer, which you know just is fine. It's just lacking and doesn't play to the strengths of the title. That uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder is a fantastic game. It's one of the best two D Mario games probably ever. I mean, I don't want to get too caught up in recency bias, but. If it's the best one since Super Mario Brothers or uh, uh, Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island, if you want to consider that, which we're going to get into after this next break, um, I mean, it's got to be top three, top four 2D Mario games of all time. It's uh, it's it's really a fantastic game, and uh, if you've been waiting for like a Mario, a 2D Mario game to really wow you. If you thought like the new Super Mario Brothers games were a little bit too vanilla after a while, this is the one you've been waiting for. Do you want um, a sequel to this next or do you want them to try to do another new 2D game like Wonder is? If they have more ideas that are as good as the one that that uh, they put into this, like I'm all for 
Super Mario Brothers Wonder 2. Like, think about it like Tears of the Kingdom, right? Everybody played Breath of the Wild. And they're like, oh, that was great. That was awesome. And one of the, one of the best games of all time. And yeah. then they're like, okay, we're going to go back to that Hyrule with Tears of the Kingdom. And that was born out of the fact that they had so many ideas that they couldn't fit it all into Breath of the Wild. And they couldn't figure out some of the tech. And they thought of stuff too late, right? And then that's what caused Tears of the Kingdom, which... I think is the best game of the year. I mean, there's plenty of people that think other games are better, but like, I think it's universally agreed upon that tears. of The kingdom is a fantastic game. Yeah. Regardless of if you think it's better or worse than breath of the wild. But when you get to like tears, of the kingdom, you see that Eiji Aonuma and Hidemaru Fujibayashi were like, we're not even going to put DLC out for this one because we did everything that we want to do with this style of game. We're going to move on to something different with the next game. And, if that's the case with this, they're like, oh yeah, we we did everything we wanted to do with Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I don't need DLC. I don't need another Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I just want another game, like, because Nintendo, they're so good at figuring out what to do next. Yeah. They've they've not let me down yet, right? There's so many great games in Nintendo's catalog. Takashi Tezuka, looking at his resume, <coughs> he has just put out banger after banger it's criminal that he does not get as much love from like i think from the hardcore fans he does but from like the the modern like the the modern the the casual gamer does not know takashi tezuka the way they know shigeru miyamoto is a crime i don't think i knew his name before our cover story and talking to you about it to be honest i know like i only knew miyamoto as a mario like he was the like i think assistant director of the original super mario brothers I think he was the assistant director of the original Legend of Zelda. And then he was the director of Link's Awakening, director of A Link to the Past, director of Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island. And uh, I believe he was producer on uh, Ocarina of Time before being like full-time producer on, like he's kind of like the A.G. Aonuma of the Mario series now. Like the way A.G. Aonuma is kind of like just oversees the Zelda series. Takashi Tezuka kind of fills that role for the Mario series. So like the fact that he's not as celebrated is wild to me because of just his credits are probably unrivaled. Like it's like the only person who could possibly rival his credits is Shigeru Miyamoto. So big ups to Takashi Tezuka, another certified banger under his belt with Super Mario Brothers Wonder. But yeah, you feeling good about this one? Yeah, I'm excited. I um, uh, I'm I was trying to see if it's gonna be out. I'm gonna have to wait till tomorrow, basically. Which when this this is live, I will hopefully be playing uh, Super Mario Wonder. But I want to play it now, and I'm upset that I can't. And I'm hopeful. I mean, honestly, the only DLC that I would want for this game, unless again, unless they have some amazing ideas that just got stuck on the cutting room floor, would be to expand the online multiplayer. Yeah, like wanna, give I mean, us give us the ability it, to play it. I feel like they're gonna they could do that. That's a thing, right? Adding I hope so local co-op and and online or online co-op after the fact. I feel like they've done something like that before. I would love it because like I just don't have a lot of people that come over to play video games. Like <laughs> if I was like in a stage in my life where I was inviting people over to play video games all the time, maybe I wouldn't mind so much. Or if I had like a somebody that I lived with that's a gamer, like maybe I would not mind so much but yeah it's just not how i live these days just make it happen you know (laughs) us us adults we go out for like drinks and food just instead of drinks and food like hey you want to go and play some super mario bros wonder tonight bring it to that rooftop party that we've 
now yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Did you see yeah, they took down gone, that trailer? It's gone forever, yeah. The it's, famous uh, Switch reveal trailer that, uh, we didn't talk about this in the news segment, but yeah, the famous Switch reveal trailer that popularized the, the rooftop party meme is gone. Rest in peace, Switch reveal trailer. Switch is gone. Everyone's nope. Switch is gone now too. Yeah, go try to find yours, it's gone. I wonder if it was a music licensing issue because I know they used a licensed song from a, a band. So I wonder if they were like, okay, we have like a like a six year window or whatever that we could have this trailer exist or whatever. But if that know. is it, then that's like really annoying. Cause that's uh, like an important part of video game history. And it's kind of actually not kind of, it's really, really lame if it stays gone forever. Like that's I will a tell huge you, deal. Music licensing with record labels, the biggest pain that could possibly exist. And it's like yeah. the most outdated antiquated thing imaginable. Like I'm not going to name names, but we were going to have a uh, pretty famous band come in and uh, play some games with us. And we were going to use one of their songs uh, because it was a music game that they were going to play with us. And we were going to have them play a, one of the music games that had their song featured in it with us. And the record label intervened saying that we could only play one minute of the song and it could only be up for two weeks. And oh we're like, God, well, that's so no. Stupid. <laughs> so we yeah. canceled, uh, which sucks because uh, yeah. So, there are uh, there are plenty of complications that can be involved with music licensing. Um, but yeah, even the theme song of this podcast that you heard when this show started uh, has some complications when you put it on YouTube. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and, and that was a that was a song that I, I got off like a license free uh, thing. So, yeah. Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Go check out my review. Gameinformer.com. I gave it a nine point two five out of ten. Uh Everything about this game rules. It's just a, a couple of things that I wish were a little bit better that we talked about there, but they don't stop me from having just one of the best times that I've had with video games in 2023. So, Wes, we're going to take our final break of this episode. And when we come back, we're going to do a short segment that we uh, introduced about a year ago and then never used again. We will be right back. We are back, and instead of doing definitive ranking, we are going to do a uh, segment that I thought was going to be a lot more prominent than it ended up being. It's called Everybody Votes, and uh, basically the premise, if you don't remember the first time we did it, is uh, I put out a question on Twitter, and we see how the community comes down on it. We also kind of weigh in on our own opinions. It's not the longest segment, but it can be fun. Uh, So the question this time around, Wes... Do you consider Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, a mainline Mario game or not? So what what do you think? Where do you fall on this question? I initially fell on no because I've always kind of seen it as a spinoff. But like, I mean, it, it is mainline because Nintendo says it is. And it is still doing the same thing. You're st- like an... I guess it depends on like what the goal of a Mario game is. Is it about platforming with Mario or is it about starting at one end of a level and getting to the end of the level and platforming to do that? Um, Because yeah, you don't play as Mario really. Um, He's there. Baby Mario is, but you're not controlling him and you're not doing typical platforming and it feels very different, but the way that you control Yoshi and the little tricks up Nintendo's sleeve still feel very at home in the Mario franchise. So I think ultimately I'm fine with it being a mainline game, but 
if someone says it's not, it's not something that I'm going to like go to bat for. That's kind of how I feel about it as well. But here's, there's some things going for it and against it, right? Yeah. So here's the biggest thing that Yoshi's Island has going for it. And that is, we asked Takashi Tezuka, one of the guys in charge of creating not only the Mario series alongside Shigeru Miyamoto. I mean, Miyamoto is the creator of Mario. However, we asked, actually, this is actually Miyamoto that we asked. Um, I'm misreading it, apparently. I thought that, so we asked both of them. (laughs) Shigeru Miyamoto, we asked in 2012, and he said, when we first made Yoshi's Island, we considered it part of the Mario series. After that, the Yoshi series continued on its own. As developers, do we consider it to be part of the core Mario series? The answer is yes. Okay, Okay. so then uh, Takashi Tezuka at E3 2015, we asked him the same question, and he said, I consider it part of the Mario series. Well, can't argue with those two names. (laughs) Yeah, so um, apparently we followed up if the Super Mario World 2 prefix was fully embraced by the team, and here's what Takashi Tezuka said. He said, by the way, the director of Yoshi's Island, he said, that was so long ago that I don't fully remember. I don't think I made that decision alone. I don't think I could have. When the game debuted, I wanted people to understand that Yoshi was part of the Mario world and that be conveyed whether through title or gameplay. To me, it's part of the Mario series, but today's Yoshi's games, they've changed from those origins. So I think it's okay to think of Yoshi living in his own universe. You can think of it separately from Mario's world. So those are the things going for Yoshi's Island being a part of the series. I throw this out on uh, on Twitter because we're not calling it that other name. Uh, The the, the strongest argument came from one of my followers, uh, Julio Mendoza. He shared that, I guess, a a binder or a, a notebook that he bought had a Mario timeline, a Super Mario timeline, and it completely skips right over Yoshi's Island. It goes from his first appearance in Donkey Kong to, you know, through all the NES games to 1991 Super Mario World, and then goes right to 1996 Super Mario 64. Hmm. That's an official timeline that, like, Nintendo shared? It is. It says 2018 Nintendo. The question is... Let me look at this a little bit closer here because I don't think this has, I think that this is skipping a couple of games. It's, no, it does have a lot of games. It has, it has a lot of the games. I was looking at, I'm looking at fun. This is my first time looking, really zooming in on this, but yeah, I mean, there, there's some good, uh, good points made on both sides here. I don't think Nintendo's going to argue with Miyamoto. I don't think, I think so if, either. I think if Miyamoto says it, then that is. And he must have not seen that timeline before it went out. So uh, sh- our good pal, Shinobi602 on on Twitter, he makes a compelling argument as well, which is it's literally in the name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that exactly. Yeah, it's kind of Nintendo says it is. So it is. But then we have Joshua Goldie chiming in. No, because in Japan, it's just Yoshi's Island. It's also the primary game of the Yoshi series, and it doesn't really play anything like 2D Mario games outside of it just being a platformer. 
So there's a, there's some arguments on both sides I don't here. Think, uh, for me, like games don't have to play the same to be in the same series. Because, I mean, they need to... Actually, I don't know. Now I don't know. <laughs> we have Mustard96 chiming in with no for a few reasons. Mario himself is not a main playable character. This is the main deciding factor. And two, while yes, it is still a platformer, the main mechanic is very different from other Mario games and has only been used in Yoshi's games not Mario, same with Wario Land. Fair. But then we have, uh, let's see. We have Kalkins chiming in. I don't consider it a, quote, mainline game, but I view it in the same way I do the Super Mario Land series. Those games aren't mainline, but they're still Mario games. And then ends with, I don't know. (laughs) Those Do people not, that's not mainland? Mainline Mario? Those are are mainline to me. I mean, I know that they're like, for the Game Boy, but I think uh, Super Mario Land 2 is like one of the best in 2D Mario. And then here's here's a very uh, <laughs> a very wishy-washy answer. It's canon to Mario, but if you were listing Mario games, I wouldn't add it unless you include Wario Land. Okay. And then somebody else said, if Mar- Mario World 2 isn't mainline, then neither is Galaxy 2 or Mario Brothers 2. There's just, it's all over the place here. We have arguments. Yeah coming in left and right let's check out how the voting goes let me refresh the page so we have the most up-to-date results we're over a thousand votes at time of recording right now and 52.4 percent says yes they consider it part of the mainline mario series that's where i kind of land as well i was like kind of on the edge there but then it just became like i think miyamoto and tezuka pushing me over the edge by saying that they consider it part of the Mario series. And I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily got to be like, Oh, well they said it. So that's that. I think it's just like, that was kind of like the deciding factor for me. It was a straw that broke the camel's back for me. Yeah. But are are you on that same, same? Yeah, I I think so. Yeah. I mean, for me, like if Miyamoto says it is, then I'm not like, are any of these people saying no, going to tell that to him? And then are they going to win an argument against Miyamoto about it? I don't think so. So like if Miyamoto's like Wesley, it is, I'm like, all right, yes, sir. Oh man. And then we have another, somebody, you know, somebody responded to that. If Mario world two isn't mainline, then neither is galaxy two or Mario brothers two. Somebody responded with not quite the same because you play as Mario in those. And then they responded Metal Gear Solid 2 is not a mainline Metal Gear game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, God. It's all going downhill in my mentions. Ever since I made that joke about putting Spider-Man, Spider-Man. 2 on Game Pass, uh, I've had just people in my mentions. I muted that phrase and then immediately, or immediate, muted that conversation that immediately posted this poll. And now I have more arguments happening in my mentions. I might just need to take a break from it's social tough media. Out here. <laughs> uh, but Wes, that's the episode of all things nintendo thanks for joining me yeah thanks for having me i'm excited to maybe come back and tell my thoughts on super mario bros wonder here one day yeah we'll have to do that because i'm sure you'll be on the show sometime in the next couple of weeks here yeah and uh you know we like to get updates when people when more people are able to play these games you know we were doing that with uh uh tears of the kingdom for a while like if i had somebody on for the first time after that game came out get their brief thoughts at the top of the show. Same thing for the Mario movie. Anytime there's like one of these big cultural phenomenons, that is when I like to do it. So yeah, we will definitely talk about your opinions on 
Super Mario Brothers Wonder next time you're on the show. So get some time in with that game. But uh, thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. And if you want to get any questions, comments, or feedback in, you can do so. Nintendo at GameInformer.com. You can also hit me up on all social media platforms, Brian P. Shea. Uh, you can join the Game Informer Community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel, even just for one month. Wes, tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at LeBlancWes. You can find me on like Instagram and Blue Sky and all those other things. Uh, basically, just my name, Wesley LeBlanc. And you can read my work on GameInformer.com, of course, and hear my voice sometimes on shows like this and on Game Informer's YouTube channel. Also, be sure to check out GameInformer.com today for all of your Super Mario Brothers wonder needs. Also, your Spider-Man 2 needs. We have all yeah. kinds of articles up. I posted guides. I posted a video of, like, talking about or showing what you get for the final reward. So if you don't mind spoilers, go check that stuff out. You can also read my full review gameinformer.com but that is our show for this week thank you all again so much for listening take care we will see you next time